If uh, the, the aliens like manufactured you to be uh, a nah. mixed martial arts fighter, they're like, let's see if we could just turn. This I'm sure. Into I would, a bad it, I'm sure if it would have happened, I would have been much better than than, than this. Much know? better than this. You're the fucking champion. What are yeah, you talking but about? if I would be alien manufacturer, I would be a <laughs> Superman. You know. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being tuning into the podcast. I welcome you to episode 21 of Martian Mixed Martial Arts. Today, I have a veteran of the Mixed Martial Arts game, a veteran of the Sure Dog community. I got Rebel Lion tuning in with me. What's up, man? Hey, what's up, going on? What's going on, man? Not much. I'm excited to talk about this card. You know, it could be the the best card of the year, best card since UFC 217, in my opinion. So I'm really excited to talk about these fights. Yeah, it looks like a good card. Um, this is gonna be the one that ends the uh, the uh, what would it look like five cards in a row we've had, five or six cards in a row. Oh, uh, um, a but I think from this point on, uh, we're looking at a bit of a drought right after this one. So uh, enjoy this one. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, the past past couple cards have been, you know, not the most thrilling on paper, but you know, you and me, we keep up with the odds on everything. So every card is a little bit, uh, a little bit exciting within itself. To the casual eye, definitely, definitely not though. This one is going to be the first one in a while that gains a lot of traction. You know, UFC two twenty three kind of fell apart. Yeah, so we'd have yeah. to go back all the way to probably Stipe and Ngannou for the last pay per view that had any real hype behind it. Um, so, uh, I think that this is going to be a, a great one, but before we talk about the pay-per-view in Chicago going down this week, we're going to turn the clocks back to, uh, this past Friday in Utica, New York, uh, which the card was headlined by Marlon Marais versus Jimmy Rivera. So what did you think of this, uh, overall card? You mean, uh, Utica? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, starting off with that main event, um, I don't know if anybody expected that to happen. No, I no, was, for sure. Um, that was the most beautiful lead uh, uh, head kick I've I've seen in a while. Uh, it sounded like a baseball bat hitting Rivera. Um, I don't know if anybody really predicted that one. I know I didn't, but uh, big props to Mariah. I, I think I think this guy's probably he's he's gonna contend with TJ, and I I, I honestly think that he would definitely beat me if shit could be one, but. Uh, Tim and TJ would be a pretty fight. Yeah, uh, I mean, who who is not excited for that fight now? I mean, you kind of wish you could skip uh, skip the Cody rematch and just jump right to Marias, but unfortunately, we're stuck with that the rematch. But uh, yeah, incredible performance by Marias. It was so quick. We won't. Uh, we'll uh, we'll go uh, backwards at the end of the car. But I mean, the main event. How can you not mention that? Just thirty seconds in, uh, he set it up with an inside leg kick, and then the second uh, Jimmy Rivera tried to strike. Marlon, he uh, faded back with a switch head kick and knocked him out. Uh, incredible timing and uh, power by Marias there. But uh, we'll uh, we'll go to the bottom of the card uh, to fight pass before we talk about the uh, the rest of the main card, and we'll talk about uh, Jose Torres defeating Jared Brooks uh, via a slam. Two minutes uh, and twenty uh, 
two minutes and 55 seconds into the second round. So this was a crazy fight. Uh, what were your impressions, I mean, watching this thing? Uh, Brooks looked really good. Um, he was looking like a live dog in there. Um, one of those situations where, um, you know, Jose, Jose Torres was a little uh, overjuiced. Um, I felt like, uh, I think he was at 170 or something like that. Um, I, I felt like the line should have been even. Um, and just given the fight, how the fight played out, Jared Brooks uh, was probably should have been maybe like a negative 125. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, they rematched. Uh, I would think that the line, uh, I mean, despite uh, Jose Torres finishing him, I, I think the line would be probably be even next time they come around if they were to rematch. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, Jared Brooks, uh, he was the underdog in this, like you said. Uh, so it's pretty crazy considering uh, yeah. Torres making his debut. But uh, Brooks was really uh, wrestling uh, mm-hmm. and getting his takedowns going uh, early in this fight. And it was control- that, spin, that spinning back fist, that, that was pretty neat. Yeah, he that was, was pretty clean. Oh, that's right. He, yeah. uh, that was that was really interesting. He uh, threw a spinning back fist one way to set uh, to set up the spinning back fist for the other hand. Uh, never seen anybody do that before. Pretty creative. Yeah, if anybody lost money on Brooks, uh, um, you know, you wasn't wrong for it. Yeah, I know. It's, it was I mean, kind Personally, of... Personally, a- I was on Torres, but, I mean, I won, but I... I don't think I, I probably could have left that really easily. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was on his on his way to a losing a decision, probably. Uh, but I mean, yeah. Jared Brooks, you know, getting a little overzealous with that takedown, went for the slam and uh, kind of knocked himself out, uh, knocked himself silly. And then uh, Torres followed up with some ground to pound with uh, uh, seconds after and finished the fight. So pretty crazy finish to that fight, considering yeah. that uh, Torres was losing pretty significantly. Um, moving on, we have uh, Nathaniel Wood versus Johnny Eduardo uh, defeating uh, Nathaniel Wood wins by submission uh, by Barbara Chuk, uh, 2 minutes 18 seconds into the second round. Sort of a similar story in this fight. Uh, uh, Nathaniel Wood uh, was, I th- believe, losing this fight to Johnny Eduardo. Uh, Johnny Eduardo was a huge underdog in this fight, uh, having, having, not, having not fought in a, a pretty long amount of time. Uh, it was uh, pretty pretty warranted that Wood was the favorite in this one. But uh, Nathaniel Wood didn't, didn't look too great in this fight and then ended up uh, pulling... I believe uh, Eduardo had some very questionable uh, sequence. Do you remember the sequence that ended this? That ended. Yeah, it seemed like he wanted to get out of that fight. That's what it looked like. Yeah, incredible. Considering he was winning, he kind of just dove right. for like a shitty takedown, I think, and just got his neck yeah. neck caught, and that was it. Um, yeah, the theme of this card. I mean, a lot of these guys were a little bit overjuiced. Like uh, Nathaniel Wood was what negative two seventy, that's almost three one favorite. A three to one favorite, and he looked a lot more like a you know, a one and a half won the favorite. I mean, granted he won, but dude was struggling. He didn't look like a negative seventy favorite to me, but you know, he took him. He still won. You know, younger guy, he had all the right things going on for him. Yeah, I think uh, these older guys are just uh, these, especially older Brazilian guys, are just tend to getting uh, you know the juice goes the opposite way on them big time. You saw that later with T Bout. You know, Desmond Green not the uh, the greatest fighter. That's actually the next fight, so it segues perfectly. Desmond Green <laughs> defeating Glyson T Bout decision thirty twenty seven on two scorecards and twenty nine twenty seven on the other. Desmond Green, you know, not a very great uh, fighter, not too uh, powerful. He was uh, pretty much a uh, kind of a featherweight sized guy fighting at lightweight and uh you know he was minus 300 maybe more against glazen t-bow you know t-bow is pretty old and got not knocked out in his last fight but these uh 
you know, I don't think it's the odds makers, you know, because they're setting the lines probably, mo you know, moderately. And then just the fate, uh, the public is just uh, juicing these lines like like never before in, fa yeah. in favor of guys who, you know, probably don't deserve that juice. Yeah, this, this, this last week's card was uh, pretty juiced, um, but uh, I mean, it turned out all the uh, favorites actually won, except for one, which was uh, Ben Saunders, was the only uh, underdog that won that weekend. Yes, yeah, true. And I think, I mean, I mean, with the the main event, who the hell knows who was an underdog? I think it was pretty much a pick 'em uh, for that one. Yeah, that was a pick. Yeah, so I mean, the uh, the favorites, like you said, did extremely extremely well in this card. Um, man, we got a, a motorcycle going on out there. So um. Yeah. So uh, what was I gonna say? Uh, I got, got lost. Blah Muhammad. Yeah, Blah Muhammad. So uh, next fight we got uh Blah Muhammad uh defeating Chance Rencounter thirty twenty seven on all three cards. Um, you know, not the most exciting fight. Uh, you know, Blah Muhammad. Uh, the story behind this fight uh was Blah Muhammad training during Ramadan and still being able to go through with his camp after an opponent changed to it was supposed to be Nico Price against Blah Muhammad but Bilal just kind of took it easy in this fight and you know st uh, had a nice easy kickboxing match with uh, uh Ren Counter Ren Counter looked pretty bad on on UFC quality just got this fight on short notice luckily um and uh, you know not much to say about this one uh, I mean, I mean, Mohammed is just kind of a small guy for the division. He definitely was uh, outlanked against this uh, bigger newcomer. Um, I'm sure he was gunning for the finish. I'm, I'm sure he wants to enter the top 15, and the only way to do that, he needs to come out with a finish. But, you know, it just really is. Like, he doesn't cut a lot of weight, small dude, so he's just going to have to overcompensate, um, you know, for what he's lacking in size. Yeah, that's true. He is uh, definitely I mean... a fighter. He's short. Uh, that's the problem. He's short and uh, stocky. But uh, yeah. like uh, the comment, whoever the commentator was for this card, he said that he fights well for his size. You know, he gets on the inside and uses his boxing a lot, which is what you have to do to you know avoid kicks, avoid uh, range, and. Yeah. But uh, and I think he's got pretty good wrestling as well. So, but I mean, he's obviously far yeah. from far from a top fifteen guy at welterweight. Uh, next fight we had uh, David Tamer defeating Nick Lentz, uh, thirty twenty seven uh, on two scorecards, twenty nine twenty eight on the other. Uh, again, not much, uh, not too much to say about this one. This uh, prelim fight, so there were four decisions in a row, and uh, you know, not pretty one sided performance and. This isn't all of them, obviously, you know, most of them being 30-27 with a couple 29-28s uh, in there. So, uh, yeah, do you have anything to say about this uh, Tamer-Lentz matchup? Um, no, I mean, I kind of went as much as as, as planned it. Um, Lentz definitely, um, despite losing, he, um, he's actually not not as bad as his record shows. I agree. Um, he's actually a really solid fighter. Um even despite coming in a little bit later in his career, but I think he's still a he's still a good fighter. He's a very solid guy. He you know he just couldn't deal with uh, you know Tamer's kickboxing. Um, and one thing to note as well, um, there's a couple of fence grabs by Tamer, and oh, yeah. what really irks me is like you know these refs. That's just another story, you know. Let's, yeah. let's move on. <laughs> they should they should put them they should put them on their backs if you gra grab the fence. I don't understand. Yeah, it seems like a pretty I'm, reasonable. That's what I uh, I, think... Tamer, I, I really like Tamer. He's a good fighter, man. 
Yeah, I mean he he's great with the feet. Uh, you know, on his great footwork. his yeah, footwork is great. I mean that he uses that as his main takedown defense is just to stay away. But he also yeah. also is pretty uh pretty decent at you know avoiding the takedown once his leg gets grabbed or once he gets shot on. Uh, you know, with some cage grabs sprinkled on there. But I agree with you. He said about Lens too. He is I know he's I know consistently plus three hundred plus four hundred fighter. Like he was plus four hundred against Will Brooks somehow and. Uh, I, yeah. I remember thinking that was an easy bet at the time and, uh, you know, because Will Brooks was just yeah. so uh, poor in the UFC. So uh, I, I think he should drop back down to featherweight. I, mean, I think these guys that, uh, I mean, T David Tamer is not the biggest guy and he kind of struggled with him, but the the guys that, that uh, you know, lightweight can be gigantic. James Vick's six foot one right. while uh, Lentz is like five seven five eight. So I think he should, uh, you know, consider dropping back down to 145. I think he's tried that before. It didn't work out from as far as uh, his performances i think he he's just gonna have to deal with with you know with what it is at 155 i don't think he's going back to 145 yeah a lot of guys just don't i don't know don't seem to have the discipline and are content with just having way harder matchups but you know that's on them so uh next fight was uh sejora eubanks defeating laura murphy 30 27 on two cards 29 28 on one card uh, like I said, like every single fight on this prelims, uh, favorites were winning. Yep, favorites winning decision. Uh, not too exciting. Eubanks just controlled this fight. You know, pretty uh, pretty common uh, women's MMA fight. You know, just played out against the cage a lot and a lot of pushing and uh, inactivity. Uh, not much to say about it. How about nope. you? Nothing. Not much to say about it. No, nothing good. Uh, Sam, I don't even want to see. Sam Alvey versus John Vellante. Uh, moving up to the main card with this one. Sam Alvey wins a split decision, uh, you know, two to one uh, on two cards. Uh, I thought this is the right decision. I thought, um, you know, I think, I don't think I bet on Alvey. I think I was just, you know, cheering for the son of a bitch. Um, so... Uh, you know, Volante might have won the third round. A lot of people were arguing about that. I think Alvi clearly won the first, might have dropped uh, Volante in the first. Uh, Volante comes back and wins the second. The third was pretty inactive, so, um, you know, it's hard to score those rounds, obviously. But this was just a big staring contest with low output and just really bad fight. Yeah, uh, I mean... I, I kind of enjoy Sam Alvey's fights. He only has two weapons, which is the right hook and a straight left, and that's pretty much all you have to watch out for. And, uh, you know, Volante still got hit by one of those. Um, I had money on Alvey. Uh, I, thought he actually, I actually thought he lost. I, I was expecting to lose, but <laughs> came out a winner, so it is what it is. Yep. Uh, I mean, I, th I uh, had a pretty strong lean on Alvium. I don't know. I might have made some bet on them or some. I don't know. I think I lost on the over. Uh, I was losing like all my bets on this card until the co-main and main event luckily saved me. But um, well, I'm yeah, I don't blame you. I mean, who wants to pay the juice? You know. Yeah, it was. I mean, I was. I guess just going against all the all the high, uh, the high favorites, and it didn't really work out. But um, I next, don't blame you. Next fight, we got uh, Julio Arce defeating Daniel Tamer. Uh, via uh, a runic choke in the third round, uh, Julio Arce is super uh, super slick uh, on the feet. Got great, Solid great, player. great footwork. Great boxing. Um, he's got some pretty good, you know, 
kick he's he he doesn't really throw too many kicks but he does well with kickboxing range he um if that makes sense you know he and then like he he showed off his ground game uh, in this fight too he's also uh, very skilled on the ground you know daniel tamer is not the highest level uh, comp- uh opponent he's actually pr- pr- like pr- pretty bad you know uh Arce, i think uh you know at the victory over dan Idge is a little or ej or however you pronounce that guy's name uh is a little more impressive than this but um uh, Arce, i think uh, is uh, gonna be a, a top 15 featherweight by the end of the year definitely i agree um now with this fight i i really don't understand how uh how daniel tamer uh cannot figure out or i mean like he trains with his brother who's a softball just like Arce. i was expecting him to be a little more comfortable with but he i guess he wasn't and uh, another thing of note um how many times do you see these guys you know act up in the weigh-ins and uh it all blows up in their face so that's that's the lesson right there that's a learn don't be acting all cocky at the weigh-ins yeah i, I don't even think I, 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 i'm not sure what this dude was thinking i don't even think i saw the weigh-ins for this card uh yeah he got in his face like puffing up his chest <laughs> and standing on his tippy toes it was kind of goofy but hey it is what it is yeah he is he is pretty goofy he was throwing just freaking haymakers all fighting throwing them at wind and just yeah. whiffing um some knucklehead move yeah uh, but, uh i think he'll, he'll probably get cut after this fight um one one fight we didn't mention on this card it actually got canceled the day of the uh fight uh jessica aguilar was supposed to take on mm-hmm. jody Esquibel, and uh the new york athletic commission one of the worst in the country uh probably yep. the worst in the country um you know it's pretty hard to tell though because they're all equally bad um they removed uh aguilar from the fight because uh allegedly over chapped lips that's what aguilar was saying you know it might have been a hyperbole of some sort she might have looked actually kind of beat up or you know uh worn down and that's why they canceled it but i don't understand uh how the the athletic commission can look at someone like an hour before their fight that's how what it was it was like a couple hours before the card started and cancel their fight that seems fucking stupid yeah but not uh, not the yeah. first time they've done it they looked at they looked at um pearl gonzalez and looked at moving, for, moving forward man like anytime they come to new york just expect something like that to happen yep it's been like that every, every card pretty much but like every a, new york card will expect shenanigans so yeah the towel gate um, happened happy, in new york happy new york cards from here for that just expect some some wacky stuff so yeah so uh, we'll uh, move on to uh, Ben Saunders defeating Jake Ellenberger with a knee to the body in the first round. Uh, both these guys had lost their past two fights, I believe, both by knockout, if I'm correct. And you know, uh, you know, Ellenberger. Let me let me double check this fight just so I don't. Yeah, both by knockout. So um, this fight was you know kind of hard to hard to see what was uh, gonna happen. Um, I was on the over in this fight actually because I thought it was gonna be. I, more, I thought it was gonna be a more of a boring kickboxing you know old guy uh, take their time uh, fight. But uh, no, Ben Saunders uh, pushed uh, Ellenberger against the cage and was able to use his uh, size and uh, he. I mean he's always got pretty good Muay Thai. He's uh you know always been uh you know known for his clinch and knees and his ground game as well and he uh you know was able to was able to implement that right away. Town, so you're gonna hear a lot of like motorcycles and stuff. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of motorcycles in the neighborhood. Yeah, I, I live right next to uh, Pacific Coast Highway in Long Beach, and it's a lot of motorcycles that passes by. So uh, uh, excuse that. No, no, right. it must be it must be more annoying for you than for us. I mean. Uh. 
You I ride too, so I'm sure. Oh, yeah, there you go. So <laughs> yeah. But anyways, um, back to the fight. Um, this this is what's kind of a funny fight to me. Um, uh, you know, I don't blame you for taking that over because I actually took over one and a half too. Um, thinking that uh, you know, Ellenberger usually he's pretty gun shy. Um, and Ben Saunders usually takes a little bit of time to kind of break you down. You know, with the left that left body kick he does. You know, yeah. um, but in this particular fight. Um, what it seemed like to me was, uh, you know, Ellenberger was training with uh, Aaron Pico, and um, you know, Aaron Pico was in his ear telling him like, "Hey, man, you got to pull the trigger. You got to pull the trigger." Convince Jake Ellenberger to pull the trigger, and look what happened. He pulled the trigger and got himself knocked out. That's what I thought happened here. Yeah, I actually was uh, put a half unit on Ellenberger decision too, but oh, man, I'm think thinking about right. think about so sometimes any Jake Ellenberger fight. Is an unbattled fight. Yeah, he can't predict. He's a, he's a mental case, though. So some bets I, I'd recommend staying away from him. Some bets you lose, like Wonder Boy Thompson, you lose, and it was it was still a good bet despite a loss. Some bets you lose, and you kind of just like question your whole existence, and you actually put a yeah. you put a little bit of faith in Jake Ellenberger. Uh, man, you got you got problems, bro. Yeah, you got to rethink your betting game. Bro. Reevaluate everything. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you gotta stay away from these uh, these guys who shit the bed, man. Like, yeah. That's that's a character flaw, you know. Uh, so yeah. I mean, you know, in my opinion, at least. So. Yeah, and this uh, speaking of degen or g degenerate fights, uh, Walt Harris defeating Daniel Spitz, uh, TKO in the second round, last second of the second round. Uh, not too impressive by Walt Harris. I mean, the dude is like uh, just. There's like a an echelon of, of of heavyweight fighters where it's like they're below the top fifteen and you know they're never gonna break the top fifteen and they're just kind of like I don't know punching bags and they throw them on these cards for some some you know excitement value they think uh, I don't know Walt Harris Walt Harris is one of those guys uh, he's nine and four I believe is his record uh, no eleven and seven sorry. Um, so I mean, you know, not much to say about this one. Uh, can you refresh my memory? Am I missing anything? Was it? Um, no. I mean, you know, he's an action fighter. That's, I mean, heavyweights. Not you're not gonna get too much depth. You know, he's pretty basic. You know, uh, straight left, right hook, body left body kick. That's pretty much all he does. And Spitz was just kind of running around, giving him a harder target to hit, but he didn't want to plant his feet and go toe to toe. So that's kind of how the fight played out. But uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It's kind of a low-level heavyweight fight. Not much to say about it. Yeah, I think I, I think I stopped watching for a portion of it because I don't know. It was just so uninteresting, and the stakes are so low on it. Um, and uh, you know, money I, came in. I was uh, money came in on Spitz. Oh yeah, I mean, surprisingly, yeah. people. Yeah. I mean, probably just because the DQ loss, and people are uh, kind of giving that a little. Uh, consideration, but that was that was stupid too. You know, another oh. New York problem. But uh, speaking of New York problems, the best fisherman in MMA, Gregor Gillespie, defeats Vince Pichel by arm triangle, two at four minutes and six seconds of the second round. Uh, you know, uh, Gregor Gillespie is a one of the highest action, highest output fighters in the UFC. Dude uh, only has I think three fights in the UFC. Uh, no, five. Excuse me. And I mean, uh, four of them were just are just incredible like balls to the wall bangers where he's just from bell to bell is just uh putting pressure on taking people down going for submissions going for uh knockout the knockout 
Um, he's really relentless. Is uh, you know, well, I would like to see him against some uh, top uh, top fifteen competition next for sure. Uh, you know, Vince Peichel is you know was you know has some pretty good defense, uh, but was on a, a four fight win streak coming into this one in the UFC. Um, so uh, you know, definitely legit competition. Uh, but you know, I, I definitely think that uh, top fifteen is next for Gillespie. Yeah, I mean, what more can you say? It's the secrets out. You know, I've uh, I've always uh, put him kind of put him in a high regard. Um, this guy's one of the, the best wrestlers in the the division, and you know, like one of the best wrestlers in the rest uh, in the UFC as well. Guy, his 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 his, uh, his double legs, money, single legs, money. Uh, Pressure. This, this guy's this guy's wrestling is pretty sick. Um, his submission game, his his. I mean, I wonder. I, I wonder how many times he's gotten a full mount uh, so far in the UFC. But this, I'm sitting here watching, like just amazed at this dude. Like this guy would definitely do really well in uh, jujitsu competitions. Um, Uber prospect, man. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to um, his next fight. I 100% think that he will be top five. Um, you know, as I'm watching him fight, I'm kind of comparing him. Or like imagining him going up against you know the likes of Khabib and like I honestly think he would be Khabib, honestly. That's yeah. just my opinion. I don't know. I mean, uh, he wrestled with in, with in Jordan Burroughs' division, and Jordan Burroughs is one of the uh, best pound for exactly pound, right best pound for pound wrestlers of the past couple of decades in America in the world. Um, and, uh, so he, he wrestled all throughout college against these guys. Uh, he's, like you said, one of the best uh, wrestlers in MMA. His gas tank seems like it's endless. The dude cuts weight right. He has incredible worth work ethic. He actually makes he even make 145. So don't, watch out for this dude. He actually makes weight. He makes weight, uh, a week before the, his fight. To practice, oh no, two weeks before it is. I'm sorry, to practice apparently, or just to get his weight down and try to keep it down and uh, regulate right. his body. I don't, I don't know if that's a good idea, but I mean, he seems to know what he's doing, and he does a ton of strength right. and conditioning, which is which is super super key. I mean, he. Uh, he posts uh, videos of him on his Instagram nonstop. His story is just every day has videos of him fishing, and uh, he never posts videos of him like hitting pads or you know doing anything like that. He always always posts videos of him, uh, you know, lifting weights and doing all types of running and sprints and stuff like that. So he seems to have had have everything really really figured out. Uh, I mean, his stri- yeah. his striking is definitely nothing that too great, but I mean his his pressure is just insane, and unless you're fighting like some sort of uh precision puncher like conor mcgregor uh there's no one who's going to be able to just put your lights out uh on the feet with you know one punch uh and you know be able to totally avoid that wrestling but yeah like you said gillespie is probably uh one of the one of the futures of lightweight division best prospect in the like um, I think he, now. I think you should fight like Kevin two Lee. Contender. Kevin Lee, like right now, like why not? Like, imagine I would that. bet on I, my money's on Gregor. Uh yeah, I mean uh, I'm very he'd probably be a do- he'd probably be a dog and it'd be a good one. I mean it'd be wrestler versus yeah. I mean you know Kevin Lee is incredible. It's all hypothetical, but yeah, I want to see him matched up. Uh, uh yeah. top, top ten, top five. A bright spot on this card, so yeah. Definitely the brightest. And, and, or the uh, second one last brightest. thing, uh, one last thing. Um, Vince Michelle is a solid, solid fighter. Um, um, even after this loss, um, whoever they match him up with next, I'm definitely like 
considering betting on Vince Michelle. Like, he's a very solid fighter. Hopefully, we get some good odds on him on his next fight. For sure. And, um, you know, he definitely didn't go out easy. Put up a lot of good uh, sub defense. Yeah, I, I like what I saw out of him. And uh, we already ta- uh, talked about the main event a little bit, but just to reiterate, Marlon Marais knocks out Jimmy Rivera with a head kick and some follow-up ground and pound 33 seconds in. Like uh, my man said, nobody saw this coming. Uh, Marlon Marais mm-hmm. plus 900 in the first round. Uh, yep. I believe I, I won on his money line, won on the under in the Gregor Gillespie fight, and uh, was able to dig myself out of a rut. But not not a good indicator. Uh, you know, I chased a little bit and it saved me, but not not a good move. Um, uh, Yikes! Yeah. yeah, I bought the juice. I I paid the juice for the over four and I paid for it. Uh, what the uh, what on the Gregor Gillespie? No, on this Mariah and Jimmy Rivera fight, I actually uh, my money was on the four and a half. I didn't thought they were gonna be really well matched. So uh, yeah, right. I, figured they were I thought I was going. Yeah, I thought I was going to. Decision. I really surprised me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm lucky. I'm lucky. Didn't go to. Uh, I'm lucky. I didn't bet on like Mariah's decision or something like that because I really thought that was the likely outcome. But incre- mm. incredible that he did. I mean, it just it just good. I think Rivera was a little bit overhyped coming into this. I thought that the competition that he beat was, you know, we've seen Rob Font beat uh, Thomas Almeida. Uriah Faber was, you know, 36 when he fought him. Yuri Alcantara has 10 losses. We've seen Pedro Munoz lose. Marcus Rimmage lose. All these guys were, he, he's beat are, are, weren't that great. Uh, and, you know, uh, Marlon Marais has beaten, uh, has defended his belt at a championship level, has fought high-level high guys in the top five and beat them. And uh, I th- it was pretty clear that Marais was going to win this one to me. I'm surprised that the, the lines were so close. But, um, yeah, uh, I thought it was a pretty pretty good card, all things considering. You know, great fight pass prelims, two comeback wins, really boring Fox Sports 1 prelims, uh, four decisions in a row. But then the main card picked up with uh, five uh, finishes and uh, turned out to be a pretty good card. And some pretty good, uh, you know, two uh, two or three uh, really uh, bright spots in the future, being Julio Arce, Gregor Gillespie, and Marlon Moraes. Definitely, definitely. All right, so with that being said, uh, we're going to move on to the pay-per-view going down Saturday night, two nights from now. And, man, uh, uh, man, I'll be excited for this one. Uh, from top to bottom, we have great fights in this one. You know, the Fight Pass prelims has potentially a title eliminator, uh, you know, the number one contender after Henry Cejudo at flyweight. And, you know, just from, like I said, top to bottom, it's an incredible card. So uh, right off the bat, we'll start talking about the first fight on the card. Um, Mike Santiago taking on Dan EJ. Um, Mike Santiago is, uh, you know, kind of struggling in the, in the UFC so far. He uh, he lost to Zabit Magomed Sharapov. N- you know, nothing against him for that. He actually put up a, a decent fight against him um, and, you know, didn't get finished to the third round with a pretty nice darts. And he also lost to Mads Burnell by decision uh, in January of this year. So uh, he's taking on Dan uh, EJ, who's uh, 0-1 in the UFC so far, lost to Julio Arce in his debut, uh, was a Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series guy. So um, this fight, uh, the odds on it opened at... Uh, we had uh, Dan EJ open at pl- minus 260 with Mike Santiago pl- plus 180. Incredible line for uh, EJ. And um, uh, and then he is now uh, sitting at uh, Dan EJ minus 150, Mike Santiago 
plus 130. So uh, a lot of money has come in on Santiago's way. He got bet down 55 points, and EJ got bet up, you know, 110 points. So a lot of juice coming in on this fight. Uh, any uh, any leans on this one for you? Um, I, I don't have a strong lean. Um, I don't really know too much about either guy, um, but from the UFC fights that I've seen of them, um, it's, it's hard for me to say who Mike Santiago really is. I mean, dude has like seven, eight submissions. Oh, he's been finished like so many times. Um, but apparently he's a jiu-jitsu brown belt um, despite having seven submission losses. Um, hard for me to kind of stay, you know. Um, Dan Ige, um, what's so funny? <laughs> uh, that was funny about the seven submission losses. As a <laughs> right, brown belt. right, you know. So it's like, it's, it's, it's really tough to say, like, it's, it's really tough to cap when, when you have that type of track record, you know? Yes. Um. Anyways, but Dan Ige, um, I don't really know much about him. I mean, just judging by the way he fights, uh, striking is not so great, kind of loops some of the punches. Uh, what he really wants to do is to force a grappling match, you know? Um, he's not that great of a wrestler either. <laughs> um, it kind of reminds me of, like, a John Fitch, you know? Um, you know, John Fitch wasn't, like, the greatest wrestler, but dude was just relentless with his takedowns, you know? And usually what he'd, he'd do is kind of outgrind you. So uh, this is probably anybody's fight. I mean, I can see Ige either uh, grinding him out um, and maybe getting the, the tap out um, just, you know, just because, you know, Santiago's penchant to tap, you know? Um, or I can actually see Mike uh, Mike Santiago uh, just landing the harder shots. Um, I'm not sure if he's a southpaw or orthodox fighter. Um, seems like he's coming out southpaw. Um, throws a... He throws hard, man. This guy throws a kill, you know. So, uh, um, I, I can't really give you a pick. Um, if I were to put some money on it, I'd probably bet whoever's the underdog. Looks like it's Santiago, so yeah, it, it could be an NBA fight. Seems like a seems like a dog or pass kind of fight. Um, you know, this is right. this is one of two fights on the card where uh, we probably don't know, you know, almost everything about the guys and have seen uh, all the other guys have tons of UFC experience, but uh, there's two fights in this card which uh, are, are have two less experienced guys, which are kind of, you know, we're up in the air about. But, uh, yeah, like right. you said, Mike, uh, Dan EJ is, you know, really relentless for the takedown, fought Julio Arce and just was going for the takedown the entire time uh, while eating uh, a lot of punches, and, uh, you know, right. that wasn't stopping him. So you compared him to John Fish. I can actually compare him to uh, Kyle Bochniak, you know, who we all saw uh, have a great fight against. Um, right. Zabit, where he just comes forward and is always coming comes forward, forward yeah. but he's just getting hit and punched in the face like the entire time. I mean, if he's fought, fought, fighting a good striker, I think that he was probably going to lose a good striker with good takedown defense. Uh, it's right. it's hard to say that uh, what you know because we like you said he's not the greatest wrestler and he kind of struggles to get people to the ground. So it's like we don't even know what to expect if what to, if he gets the fight to the ground in the first place. Um, right. Like you said, Mike Santiago obviously has an alleged black belt or a brown belt, even though he uh, has uh, been tapped a, a lot of times. Who knows? You know, uh, he, he. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's legit. Uh, I'm sure that you know fake belts aren't too popular nowadays. But I mean, um, he's he's come off from pretty legitimate promotions too, but not much UFC experience. This one's kind of up in the air. I don't think the EJ should have been a minus two sixty favorite, definitely. But uh, yeah, definitely no no uh, bet on this one and. Um, well, Just uh, on a side note, too, um, like maybe, maybe the over two and a half. Uh, the only reason why I saying that idea, um, you, you, we've seen how good Arce really is. Um, Arce did not put away Ige, so we can we know that Ige is pretty tough. Yep. For um, sure. And on the other hand, uh, Mike Santiago, this, even despite having those that many submission losses, um, he did, you know, grapple a lot with uh, Sabit. 
No, what um what's Mads, that? Mads Brunel. Mads Brunel. Okay, Mads Brunel apparently is a black belt apparently even though he's been tapped twice as well. So um at least he didn't tap there, you know. So, you know, that that might be uh, some uh just kind of a maybe how I would play. I'd maybe play the two two and a half, not a strong lean, but I don't really know who to pick here, but the two and a half might be something I might be playing. Yeah, let me see. I mean, the, it, it, it's minus minus two twenty. I mean, so I think. It would, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, wait, never mind. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. I don't like that. It was yeah. It's a it's a good prediction though. You know, but, but put the price aside. Uh, you know, it, the, yeah. the save for I don't even know. Fuck, fuck this fight. Let's move yep. on. Uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll move on to a great matchup. Clay Guida taking on Charles Oliveira. Um. So Clay, Clay Guida looking pretty rejuvenated at one fifty five. Uh, only two fights in a row. Um, where he defeated uh air coach by decision and knocked out Joe Lozon uh, a minute into their fight with you know just like a, a huge uh, hook that just rattled Lozon and you know we've seen we saw Lozon in his last fight take uh, about three or four hundred shots to the face uh, in the first two rounds by Chris Kutschmacher and he didn't really uh, fold I mean he was obviously like a zombie uh, walking on his feet but he never dropped in that fight but Clay Guida dropped him with one punch so um, you know it's I think his power is actually a, a lot more evident at lightweight but uh you know charles Oliveira is one of the you know the best um uh, uh, jiu-jitsu practitioners off his back in the ufc um we've seen him get tons of chokes in the ufc uh triangles anacondas guillotines rear nakeds uh he's one of the be- uh, most diverse submission artists uh in the ufc uh, but I mean, I think lightweight is is a terrible d- division for him. Uh, I mean, the dude, is, the dude is a natural one forty five er. He sucks at making weight. He's missed weight at one forty five four times. Uh, excuse, ex- yeah, four times. He also missed it at lightweight back in the day in two thousand ten. So I mean. Uh, he's he's missed by five pounds by ten pounds the dude is just uh really unprofessional and you know he fo- he's fought will brooks who we, we know is pretty pretty bad he's got pretty bad submission defense and uh but i mean he fought paul felder in his last fight who was just way way too big put him against uh the uh, took him down put him against the cage and just battered him with elbows i mean that was an instance where charles Oliveira, despite how good he is off his back couldn't do shit because he just had a big uh you know powerful uh, guy ground and pounding him so and the thing about this fight is charles Oliveira took it on about uh one to two weeks notice so really short notice for <coughs> Oliveira, who's you know been been known to have his uh, fair share of cardio problems too so uh i think i think that this fight is uh, pr- pr- uh i think it leans clay guida's way big time the fact that he's plus 130 right now i think deserves uh, a bet for sure yeah, I mean, uh, I can see this fight. Um, you know, Oliveira's, you, you never know what you're going to get with him. Um, he either gasses or he'll finish, you know. This guy has the, the ability to finish Guida, definitely. You know, if he, if he wins this fight, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be by submission. Uh, we, we saw, uh, you know, we know Oliveira has a really good front headlock choke, uh, several different variations of it. Guida sticks his head where it don't belong, you know. It could be That, that could be it, you know. Um, however, I, I'm sure Guida is a smart guy. He's probably not going to want to, uh, you know, how a typical Clay Guido where he'll, uh, you know, stick his, stick his head against across the chest and stall you out, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm thinking a good fight for reference might be uh, the fight with uh, uh, Brian Ortega where he didn't really try too many takedowns, but he kind of uh, struck, kind of stood up with him, you know, did, did a lot of movement, throw a lot of overhand rights, 
Um, I'm, I'm guessing that's going to be his game plan here. So um, I definitely agree. If I, I'm putting my money on Clay Guida here. I just, I, I don't like Charles Oliver. He's boying in heart. So, and I, you know, character flaws like that, I, you, you can't justify bidding on a, on a favorite. So my money's definitely on Clay Guida. Um, however, I am aware that he could probably get tapped here as well. It's like he got tapped against, uh, what's his name? Um, what's that cat's name? Uh, Ortega. Ortega. Uh no. Oh no, he knocked he him out. Tapped against he got guillotine in the first round. I forget who. Tavares. Um, Tavares, yeah. Tiago Tavares. Yep. So, you know, something like that could happen. So, not a great fight to bet on, but I mean, considering the odds, money should really be on Kligubita. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that the short notice is huge. I mean, for a guy like I said who struggled with weight, weight and cardio, I I think I think Charles Oliveira probably misses weight. Uh, tomorrow, uh, even though this fight is at lightweight, but I mean that's just kind of a, a little bit of a, not a bold prediction, but uh, just uh, an off off to the side prediction. Yeah, I think, uh, but a- excellent uh, uh, p- comparison with uh, the Ortega fight uh, with uh, Clay. I think he is going to try to strike and you know push the pace and stay on the feet, but not you know shoot and uh, try to get his neck snatched or put him in a p- position where he could get triangled or you know calf I mean, he'll, he'll, calf he'll Take this fight to the ground. Uh, I'm sure uh, he'll he'll do it once he feels Oliveira fading. I mean, yeah, he saw that against uh, he saw that against um, Paul Felder. Well, par- where Paul Felder got taken down and he was just getting out grappled and almost finished. Um, but once Oliveira couldn't find the finish, um, that's when uh, or uh, that's when Felder started to feel that uh, you know he, he started to feel him fading. Uh, I'm sure he recognized that. So you know that's something Clay do. I can see Clay uh, doing as well. Um, he'll he'll make sure to make this make this fight go a little bit longer, and then once he starts to f- uh, feel Oliveira fading, I can see him taking over. But again, you know Guido has shit for those submission losses as well, so Oliveira can pretty much tap anybody. So very dangerous fight to bet on, but considering the odds, Clay Guido should be the right bet. Yep. And uh, moving on to uh, a fight that should not be on the fight pass prelims, in my opinion. Uh, Joseph Benavidez taking on Sergio Pettis. Joseph Benavidez, uh, I believe, six wins in a row at flyweight. Yeah, six wins in a row, um, you know, five of them by decision. Uh, versus Sergio Pettis, uh, also, you know, he just lost to Henry Cejudo in his last fight, but before that was on a four-fight win streak. Uh, these guys are two of the top five fi- flyweights in the world. Uh, maybe Pettis is a little bit outside the top five, but two of the best uh, flyweights in the world, and, uh, you know, they're kind of buried on this fight past prelims, unfortunately. If Benavidez won this one, I, I don't think there'd be any denying giving him the next title shot after Cejudo. I mean, he's won seven in a row. In a pretty uh, thin division, too. So I mean, uh, definitely the the not a trilogy, right? It would be the first uh, four four fight uh, uh, series in UFC history. But um, uh, have they fought three times already? I think cool. so. Uh, Demetrius and uh, Joseph Benavides. Yeah, I think that was the two times. I don't know. It is. Yeah, you're right. It is only two times. So yeah, that would be the trilogy. Um, but yeah, I think that's uh, that's probably coming. I think uh, Benavides isn't at the point where his age is, uh, you know, really wearing down on him yet. He is pretty old uh, for a flyweight, thirty three years of age, taking on now with a way younger uh, Sergio Pettis, who's still twenty four, which is just ridiculous considering 
he's been in the UFC for five years and he's gotten, you know, uh, nine fights in the UFC. So, uh, um, you know, I think that, uh, I think that Benavides will be able to win this one, uh, probably by decision. And, uh, let me, uh, let me check where the odds opened up for this one. And so the odds right now are minus 250 for Benavides plus 210 for Pettis. And, uh, that's right around where it opened up minus 260 for Benavides and plus 180 for Pettis. So not much juice coming in on this one at all. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Um, yeah, you kind of covered everything. Um, as far as the fight goes, um, let's see here. Benavides, uh, um, throws a big right hook, a big left hook. Um, uh, Sergio, he's a pretty decent fighter himself. Uh, very good striker. He can pretty much switch stances as well. Very technical. Um, as far as the odds go, I'm just going to say it like this. I think the only way to really play it. Um, you mentioned that Benavides is going to win by unanimous decision. Uh, I agree that was that's probably the most likely thing to happen. Um, I can see Benavides catching a guillotine as well. Which odds on that probably pay pretty good. I'd put a, sprinkle a little bit on that. Um, and otherwise, Pettis would uh, win the decision as well. So those are the three outcomes that can happen in this fight. Pettis by decision. Uh, Benavides by decision or Benavides by submission. So, uh, whatever angle you want to take uh, take a look at that, um, those are the three things I would uh, put some stock into. Yeah, I don't have much of a lean on it on all at all because right. I think these guys are very evenly matched. But I don't right. think Benavides deserves to be minus two fifty. Uh, I would not put it. Yeah, over juice, man. Dude's coming with ACL injury. I wouldn't even pay the juice on that. However, um, you know, just from what I'm seeing, the best way to play this fight is to take the over two and a half. Pay the juice on negative two eighty, um, and then hedge the fight with uh, Benavides by submission. That's 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 how I would play. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you're not gonna be able to live bet this one in America, but uh, that this fight might be good for for uh, live betting potentially. I can see there being uh, this being pretty close. Um, but we'll we'll move on to the the last fight on the fight pass prelims. We got Rashad Evans taking on Anthony Smith. Um, so this, this fight, uh, opened up at, uh, let's see, minus 270 for Anthony Smith, plus 190 for Rashad Evans, and right now it sits at minus 310 for Anthony Smith, plus 255 for Rashad Evans, so people are just betting down Anthony Smith, man, they're, they're confident in that, uh, that guy, which is, I don't know. I think Rashad Evans is pretty much done for, and I think uh, he's looked pretty bad in his recent fights. But I don't think Anthony Smith is anything, you know, too uh, anything too special that he should be, uh, you know, uh, at minus, you know, or at seventy five percent implied probability uh, versus anyone, honestly. So um, I think that this is a pass on betting wise. You know, I think that Smith should get this one done. Uh, inside the distance, probably by uh, KO in the second round, but um, very unexciting uh, fight here for me. Um, you know, Anthony Smith should never be a three to one favorite over anybody. You know, that's just pretty much what it is. Um, look at his record. You know, that's pretty much what I got to say about that. However, um, I'm on betting on Rashad in this fight, um, plus two fifty against a guy who's been taken down by every single. Fighter he's faced in the UFC so far. Um, more, it's more one of those things where you kind of bet on bet on the two fifty line and close your eyes. And, you know, whatever it is, whatever happens happens because Smith does not deserve to be a three to one favorite. Um, as far as um, the breakdown of this fight goes, um, the reason why I would justify it, 
Rashad, in his last four fights, um, let's see here, he's faced two Southpaws. Um, he's historically struggled against Southpaws. Um, his style is to throw the overhand right, shoot for a takedown, or shoot for the takedown, fake the takedown, and throw overhand right. That's, that's pretty much been his game's entire career. <laughs> Um, against Southpaws, he, he, the, the distance is a lot different. So that, that, that little game of, uh, you know, am I going to go take, take, take down or am I going to go to over and right? Doesn't work against Southpaws. So, um, and not only that, um, the two guys that he faced, um, Dan, uh, Kelly, Dan Kelly, very tough guy to take down. Um, and the same for Albie, you know, the tough guy to take down as well. So I feel like, uh, didn't do too great um, because of those matchups. And then the previous two fights before that, um, he fought Glover, another guy who's super solid, hard to take down, and uh, Brian Bader, somebody's really hard to take down. Four guys who are very good at grappling, and that's pretty much uh, that's 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 his game. He wants to take you down, you know, or eat the overhand right. Um, in this fight, he's facing a guy who stands really tall, guy who's been taken down by everybody he's fought. So I. Feel like that too really justifies it however i think what's going to play out is uh Anthony smith is going to come on the third round probably finish rashad that's probably going to happen but my money is on rashad at that price yeah um like you said uh it's evans is you know has fought a lot of great grapplers in the in this past couple of fights but i don't know i just don't think he has uh what it's what it what would it would take to execute a game plan at this? I don't know. Some fighters come out and shock you out of nowhere, like Andre Arlovsky, right. and come out like are executing a game plan and looking good all of a sudden. But we haven't seen uh, Rashad necessarily be able to do that in the recent memory, so it's pretty unlikely. I'm I think. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, two fifty. Two fifty. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I I think two fifty right, right, is, right. is justified. But um, let me. Uh, I'd like to see what uh, Smith uh, KO line is because that might uh, might just be worth. I I I'd take a third round finish by Anthony Smith. Honestly, that's that's a really good bet for me. Yeah, in, in plus one forty is um, not likely enough. But I mean, just something of note. Um, what in the fight against Dan Kelly, just kind of, you know, eyeing out how his uh, how his athleticism looks. He he actually has a pretty good like shot still. He still has it like um, just kind of the mustard he got on like getting on that in on a single leg. He he looked like he still he he still got his wrestling. It's still there. It's just then Kelly's really hard to take down. So you know just that's just my eyes telling me. I think Rashad he can still wrestle. Yep, that's in my opinion. So you know. I uh, I don't remember that. I don't remember that fight. So I bl- I definitely believe you though. So uh, next next fight we got uh, Rashad Coulter taking on Chris De La Rocha. This is the other fight where I was talking about these two guys being pretty unexperienced, inexperienced in the UFC. I believe both of them have lost both of their fight, uh, most recent fights by knockout. Um, so uh, I don't really have much of a prediction for this one. Uh, Rashad Coulter is the favorite. Um, do do you uh, have any opinion on it? Not really. I mean, they're. You know, it is what it is. Um, if that's the case, bet on the dog, close your eyes, and hope for the best. Uh, maybe the over one and a half, because I know both these guys are pretty tough. So that might be something to look at. But, you know, I'll sprinkle a little bit on the over one and a half or sprinkle a little bit on uh, on De La, De La Roja. Yeah, I would probably just, uh, you know, this is like a 
go cook. Skip. This is go, a skip fight. Yeah, this is a go cook some dinner while before the good fights yeah. start or something like that. Skip fight. Throw some money on. You, you want some action? Throw in the dog. Whatever. <laughs> yep. All right. So uh, next fight we got. So all, from out from here on out, besides one fight, we have great great matchups. Uh, we got Ricardo Lamas taking on Mursad Bektik. Uh, Ricardo Lamas uh, stru- struggling a little bit lately. You know, got knocked out in his last fight by uh, Josh Emmett. Uh, short notice fight for uh, I th- I believe it was short notice. He was supposed to f- was supposed to fight Aldo and instead fought uh Josh Emmett and he uh, got knocked down in that one. This fight opened at minus one seventy five for uh Bektik and plus one thirty five for uh Ricardo Lamas. I think that line's pretty justified. I think it, that that's right around where I capped the fight. But uh, the money has come in on Mursad Bektik, betting him down from minus one seventy five all the way down to minus two fifty, and uh, Ricardo Lamas coming up from plus one thirty five all the way to plus two ten. So people are pretty confident in Mursad Bektik. I think the dude just showed really good, you know, uh, cardio, really good, uh, you know, ground and pound and. Uh, takedowns, but his striking is, and you know, I don't. I think that Ricardo Lamas may have better striking than him, and I think Ricardo Lamas is a really good wrestler too. So, um, I think that but Mursad Bektik should win this fight. I believe by decision, maybe just you know, it's going to be a good competitive fight. But plus two ten might actually be worth it for Ricardo Lama, uh, Lamas. Yeah, um, Bektik, younger guy. I mean, should win this fight. Um, but something, um, you know, I would compare Mirsad to, like, Cain Velasquez. This, this guy knows how to ground and pound. He knows the positions to hit you with. Um, great grappler, super-duper strong dude. Um, his striking is coming along. However, there's something about his striking I still don't like. Um, he he seems like Hulk. He, he he hooks out when he punches you. He puts a lot of, like, just, he just, he's too tense. He's, he's a little stiff to me. Um, he, he needs to really learn how to relax. Uh, he might be a better fighter that way, but I mean, I haven't seen anything out of him yet that's changed. Um, but I mean, that's pretty much how he lost to uh, Darren Elkins. He he hooked his way. He just, you know, in, in the entire fight, and Elkins, you know, um, that caused him the gas, and Elkins, you know, found that opening and finished him. Um, Ricardo Lamas, you know, known as an opportunist, um, if Lamas can kind of drag this into the later waters deep waters and you know he can find that opening he's opportunist you know I, I wouldn't lay the juice on this fight it's just kind of a weird fight to me um I, I do think Bektik's gonna win um probably you know by decision like you said probably via ground and pound um but kind of a dangerous fight the value's uh probably on Lamas you know he can land some uh calf kicks kind of uh have some good movement and again you know Lamas very uh, loose guy and Bektik is just super super stiff so but uh, yeah, that's that's my pick. Um, I, I I'm probably gonna bet a little bit of money on probably the over, hoping that Lamas doesn't get finished. Um, maybe some money on Lamas, but um, my pick is Bektik probably to win by decision. Yeah, I uh, I think that I think that Ricardo Lamas has has a good chance. I mean, I think that if he wouldn't have lost that fight to Josh Emmett, then he would probably be the favorite in this fight. And I think people are really valuing that loss uh, against Emmett. Which I mean, I mean, he obviously got caught with a, a gigantic punch, and that was, I believe, the first time that Ricardo Lamas has been knocked out. Uh, yeah, in the pocket with him, and he. Uh, no, Mendez, I mean, Mendez TKO'd him, but yeah. So uh, one of uh, one of, well, he's got knocked out by Castillo and Yuri Alcantara too. So hmm, I don't know. Those are pretty weak. Uh, pretty weak strikers. Who who knows? I, I, his chin's been pretty good, and. Um, 
But I mean, he just got caught with just a, a massive punch in that fight. So I think that uh, you know, minus plus two ten might be uh, worth it for Ricardo Lamas. He definitely has a lot of opportunities to win this fight. Um, That's where to value it. Yep. Next fight we have Claudia Gadelia taking on Carla Esparza, and uh, Claudia Esparza opened at minus four hundred, uh, and coming back at. Uh, plus 280 for Carla Esparza and she Claudia got bet all the way down from minus 400 to minus 525 Carla Esparza all the way up to plus 415 uh I don't I think it's justified man I I don't really see any way how Carla Esparza can win this fight I mean she is at best a, a, a weak grappler wrestler who you know prides herself on fighting or, or, or all her wins are on you know uh girls who you know are just aren't too good on the ground and she has like sloppy wrestle fest matches with them when she gets like a split decision besides rose namunis i think that's how all of her wins are and claudia gadelia is just a strong powerful wrestler grappler you know struggles with cardio a little bit but uh you know struggles cardio more in five round fights and three round fights she's she's pretty well off and I think that uh, this, I mean, this fight is right in, uh, right down Gadelia's wheelhouse. I think Asparza's striking sucks. Gadelia's is, you know, pretty decent. Nothing too uh, flashy, but enough that I think that she'll be able to hurt Asparza on the feet and then be able to uh, choke her out on the ground or tap her somehow on the ground. So I think that uh, the under on this fight, which is, which is, it was crazy. Uh, I, I want to say plus two fifty, plus two sixty on the under two and a half in this fight, and then the and Claudia inside the distance was the same thing, plus two fifty, plus two sixty. I think those are great bets. Uh, definitely think that Claudia has a good chance of finishing this one. I mean, if she's if she's minus five twenty five, how the fuck is she not likely to finish it? Like that's such. A, a gigantic favorite like right. they got the guy's got to be likely to finish um yeah what are your I mean, thoughts well how else are you, are you gonna play this fight you either bet on claudia by finish or you bet on carla by decision whatever you know <laughs> it's a girl fight anything can happen is a crap sheet i mean obviously Gadilla is probably a stronger girl in this matchup but that's pretty much the only way two ways to play it you bet on carla by uh, maybe that uh maybe Three and a, uh, by the decision plus six hundred, or you take Claudia by finish, and that's it, pretty much. Yep. Uh, I mean, but it, it would. Uh, the only way that I could see the, her winning a decision is maybe Claudia, you know, beats beats her up in the first round and goes for like a choke, goes for like a choke and tires herself out, and then Carlos Barza yeah. survives the first round, and it's somehow a ten nine, and then Carlos. It's a female fight, bro. It, yeah, you know? <laughs> it's possible. It's I mean, I mean, Claudia is very, very high level. I mean, we've never seen her like flake before necessarily. I mean, she, right. uh, she's obviously wildered in fights against like you know the best of the best, but uh, she's never just going out there and you know poop the bed. So I think that Claudia is pretty, sa pretty safe in this one, and I think the under and the inside the distance are easy money. And uh, we'll move on to the main event of the Fight Pass prelims. We got Alistair Overeem taking on Curtis Blades. Uh, this fight uh, opened up at Alistair Overeem minus 140 and Curtis Blades plus 100. And the lines have flipped on this one to Alistair Overeem plus 155, Curtis Blades one minus 175. So a ton of juice coming in. Curtis Blades way, uh, I think justifiably so. I mean, we've seen uh, we this is two guys going in different directions. Alistair Overeem got 
probably one of the most vicious knockouts of his 10 knock 10 or 15 knockouts in his last fight and you know Curtis Blades uh you know has is uh a young up and coming uh heavyweight fighter he he won his last fight against um Mark Hunt in enemy territory uh was able to eat some gigantic gigantic shots in that fight like mark hunt full hooks overhands you know full power and was able to was able to you know have the sense about him to blast for like a double leg takedown after being rocked by his punches so he's a great wrestler uh he's you know i don't know division one division two wrestler uh, and uh i think that uh his game plan in this fight is going to be t- uh take over him down I think that uh, Overeem's not going to have the power to uh, to rock him on the feet like Hunted, especially not to finish him. I think uh, maybe Overeem's best uh, path to victory would be uh, uh, you know using his kicks to keep uh, Blades at range and stuffing all of his takedowns and you know uh, working his way to a 15 minute decision, or uh, the other way around. I think Blades is going to be able to take him down and to. Um, control him on the ground and you know uh land some ground a pound to, to work his way to a decision i don't see either gentleman finishing this fight uh i think that maybe the the over uh you know over minus one over one and a half at minus 150 that seems pre- pretty given to me uh i really don't see an early knockout or early finish in this fight at all uh, maybe, uh, you know, maybe a little, one of them has a chance at finishing, uh, submitting one another, but, uh, I think this fight is, uh, pretty, uh, pretty likely that Curtis Blades wins a decision. Um, I mean, I don't disagree. Um, however, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not buying anything all, all, uh, over him selling. Um, I'm done. I'm, I'm not in the business of over him. Um, I think he's probably getting knocked out somewhere in this fight. Um. He'll probably come out looking to stand southpaw, um, circling the cage, looking for you know, looking to pick his shots. Eventually, Curtis is gonna co- corner him in the cage, and just like over him, just like what over him does, he'll just cover up, put his back against the cage, and uh, he does that in every single fight. And Curtis, is, he'll 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 figure him out. He's he's too young. Um, his chin is good. Over him's done, man. This this is this is it. Um, I can either see Curtis winning by decision, or I can actually see Curtis finishing him too. You don't want to bet on Overeem making it to decision, man. That's, I, I just don't. This guy's this guy's dead, man. That's, that's my opinion. So. Yeah, I mean, he was plus five hundred for decision against uh, Ingano, and he's plus four hundred now for uh, Blade. So I mean, that kind of goes to show the difference. I mean, P. Yeah, you just can't trust him anymore. That's pretty. I mean, I wasn't thinking about. Maybe placing a bet on over him. I mean, yeah, I think minus one seventy five is pretty safe bet for uh, Curtis Blades. Honestly, uh, I would cap him around you know minus two hundred, minus two fifty. Uh, I think that like he said, uh, over him is done, and you know Curtis Blades is just on a pretty uh, fast upward trajectory and could be you know top five heavyweight by the end of the uh, end of the year with one or two more wins. Moving on to the pay per view, we got the People's Main Event. The WWE Champion, CM Punk, 0-1, taking on Mike Jackson, Back from the Dead, pop star of the 90s. Uh, you might have heard his song. Oh, no, no wrong, wrong Mike Jackson. Um, uh, so, oh, so this fight, somebody's O has got to go. Um, CM Punk, let's see, what, what, did he, what did he open at? Man, 
Can't believe we're talking about this. CM Punk opened at plus 195. Mike Jackson, minus 250. Whoever set that line is so dumb. Is so dumb. Minus 250 for a guy who's never won a fight. He's, you know, has no experience, no skills. I think you should open this fight at, you know, minus 110, minus 110, and just, like, let the people, like, have whatever. Like, uh, I don't think that either one of these guys should be a favorite in this fight. I don't think anybody should be... I don't think they should offer betting on this fight. I think we should all just, you know, kick back for a little bit and just enjoy the spectacle. Uh, that being said, I hope CM Punk wins. Yeah, I mean, it's a... Uh, I don't really have much to say about it. I might go into and I probably don't want to go on a tangent. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just let you speak for it. So, I mean... It's not really a fight, so... <laughs> yeah, obviously the question has to come into effect of questioning the legitimacy of the UFC, questioning the right. fact that, you know, this guy, this is such a low level. I mean, they put on... Here's the thing. They put on so many low-level fights. I don't see the difference between this. I mean, th- th- this these guys' skill level is right up to par with some of the women they have in the UFC skill level. Like, you know, maybe not skill level, but their ambition to win the fights. Like, obviously, at least they want to get in there and get their first win under the belt. Some people go into the cage and they're just so content with a 15-minute boring decision where they push the person against the cage. And I don't know. So when you have a guy who is as popular as CM Punk, come out and say that he wants to start fighting and you you are in the fight business you're not going to just let somebody else have him and let like a a, mil- a guy with millions of followers millions of active followers you know very passionate fans who have you know followed him uh, all throughout his ups and downs with the UFC I mean, you can't, like, just let that go. So, I mean, the fact that, I mean, I think that the UFC should have made him do some amateur fights first. I think that they should have, you know, brought him up better through not, you know, not made him fight Mickey Gall, first of all, which was a huge, huge mistake. But, I mean, you know, what they're doing with him now, uh, I, I don't see, I don't I'll have a problem with it. They're putting against another another trash can, and they're just, you know, trying to trying to make a, make some pay-per-view buys. Yeah, no comment. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all right. No comment. So uh, we'll Moving on. yeah Moving on. yeah uh, we'll talk about uh, Tai Tuivasa taking on uh, Andre Arlovsky. So Tai Tuivasa, uh, let's see what he opened at. Uh, opened at minus two sixty five. Uh, Andre Arlovsky plus one eighty five. He is uh, Tai Tuivasa is currently minus two forty. Andre Arlovsky plus two hundred. Andre Arlovsky was uh, plus two thirty five earlier in the week. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I made a bet on him, but I mean, I think that uh, Andre Arlovsky is is the pick in this fight. I think that uh, no, 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 like uh, I don't think this value is worth it. I think Arlovsky is winning this fight, even though he's two to one uh, dog. Uh, I think that Tuivasa is major overrated. You know, we've never seen him like out of the first round in the UFC. I don't think maybe he maybe he might have won his uh, last fight in the second round. Let me think. No, first round. Yeah. All of his fights are in the first round. He's actually lost to fight an amateur, an advanced amateur fight before by knockout, which is uh, kind of like a hidden clip on YouTube you got to find. But they claim he's undefeated. You know, uh, I don't understand the the hype behind this guy. He's just a sloppy, uh, a sloppy heavyweight striker, and he's fighting a guy who's looked great 
looked great lately. He's uh, you know fought some sloppy heavyweight strikers very recently. Uh, uh, homeboy in the diaper, uh, Junior Albini and Stefan Struve. Uh, not too sloppy, powerful, but you know still uh, a tough task to beat at heavyweight. And he handled all of them well, using using his inside and outside leg kick. He's judging distance better. He's using his jab. He's looking good on the feet. Uh, so I think Andre Orlovsky, uh it will win this one by either me. I don't. I really don't think it's likely he finishes Tyvosa, even though uh, uh is probably gonna gas. I think Andre Orlovsky's gonna win a decision in this one. So uh, what do you think? Um. Yeah. If if Arlovsky wins, um, and uh, Tyvosa could hit him with a big elbow, knock him out. Just you know, I can see that happening as well. Heavyweight fight, you know. Um, I don't like Tai Tuivasa. I really, don't. I mean, he's a good fighter, but he does shit like uh, sacrifice throws and things like that. He's not that good. Um, he's not good. I think he's gonna win, but I wouldn't. I mean, if 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 you're gonna bet Orlovsky, you know, I would think it'd be by decision. Dog or pass in this one for sure. Can't believe people who are bet laying the juice on uh, Tai Tuivasa. Um, you know, not that that much juice was laid on him. It actually seems to be coming in. Uh, it came in initially his way, and now it's shifting back towards Arlovsky's, which is good to see. Definitely cheering for Pitbull in this one. I mean, yeah, you got it with how how uh, rejuvenated he's looked lately. So, uh, the first non-title fight at women's featherweight in UFC history, Holly Holm taking on Megan Anderson, and, uh, this is, this is a good fight. I mean, Holly Holm, you know, we all know her very well, excellent striker, excellent boxer, kickboxer, uh, his, uh, last fight was against Cyborg, uh, the only woman to go, uh, five rounds with Cyborg, uh, you know, won the first two rounds of that fight, but, you know, Cyborg kind of figured it out and, you know, started putting pressure on her and won the, the latter three rounds of that fight. Megan Anderson is a, a big power puncher, uh, pretty uncommon for women's MMA. I mean, she's won four fights in a row. Uh, allegedly, she's broken four orbital bones in a row is what her coaches were bragging about or something, but who knows if that's true. Um, regardless, she's a pretty pretty uh, powerful striker. She's been trying to get in the UFC for a long time. She uh, had some visa issues that prevented her from getting in from Canada, and uh, now she is uh, finally uh, finally getting in the America, taking on Holly Holm in this one. And uh, let's see what the the line on this one is. Holly Holm opened up at minus one seventy five, and Megan Anderson um opened at plus one thirty five. And uh, the uh, Holly Holm has shifted down to minus two twenty five, and Megan Anderson has shot up to plus one eighty five. So juice coming in Holly Holm's way. Uh, I think I think it's pretty pretty confident. I mean, Holly Holm has fought big, powerful strikers before, and she's beaten them before. If that Chris Cyborg fight was a three-round fight, then I think that she would have won that fight because she won the first two rounds of it. Um, and you know, I think that uh, Holly Holm is going to be able to uh, you know outstrike, keep uh, keep um, Megan Anderson at distance, and win a three-round decision in this one. Actually, even a possibility that she knocks her out because I think Holm is just a way better, more polished striker. Agreed. Don't really have much to add to this fight. I don't. Really... You don't. Yeah, not not not. I don't really follow too much WMMA. Um, but um, I guess uh, Holly Holm. Yeah, um, I, I, I guess I don't have a bet on it or anything. It's not. It's. 
I guess it's good to see that they're finally getting some other women in there. But yeah, no strong leads or bets or anything on this one. Alright, so uh, moving on to the the best matchup on the card. We got Rafael Dos Anjos, former welterweight cha- or lightweight champion, excuse me, taking on Colby Covington. And uh, this, uh, I mean, I'm really, really looking forward to this fight. Um, Colby Covington opened at plus 150. Rafael Dos Anjos opened at minus 190. Uh, so the juice first came in uh, on Colby. He shot down to maybe plus one ten. It was hovering around plus one ten, plus one hundred five. He's going all the way down to minus one thirty now. Um, Rafael up from minus one ninety all the way up to plus one ten. So massive juice coming in on Covington. Seems like the betters are all pretty comfortable on uh, betting Covington. As am I. I'm on Covington's money line and this decision line. I think that. Uh, you know his pressure and his wrestling are going to be the uh, be able to break uh, Khabib just like I mean uh, break uh, Rafael just like Khabib did to him a few years back. Uh, I think that Kobe's you know wrestling is as uh, you know just as good and as rel- his pressure is just as good as Khabib's. You know uh, his ground and pound may may need some work, uh, but I think that he uh, I think that he'll be able to secure uh, three or four rounds in this fight and uh, be able to uh, win a decision. Um, very close fight. Uh, um, yeah, so, well, long story short, um, I, uh, my plays are going to be, uh, my money's on Dos Anjos. Um, I feel like he can finish his fight. He can also win a decision. However, uh, my kind of, my pseudo hedge would be over four and a half. I think the four and a half, uh, covers Kobe. I don't think Kobe can finish this fight. So that's how I'm going to approach this fight. Nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it sucks. Uh, the connection kind of bugged, bugged so out. That's, so. that's, that's just. Let's just proceed, I suppose. Yep. Uh, we'll talk about the main event. Uh, we got uh, the rematch between Robert Whitaker and Yoel Romero. Robert Whitaker opened at minus 152. Yoel Romero at plus 110. Uh, Juice seems to be coming in on Robert Whitaker. People are pretty confident that he will be able to replicate his success of the first fight and uh, win this one. And so uh, Yoel Romero up to plus 175 now. Uh, Robert Whitaker all the way down to plus 210. So people are confident in the champ. Uh, I mean... I don't know. I like to. I don't. I don't know if. Uh, if I th- see the thing is, I think that Robert Whitaker has had a, a rough uh, couple of months since then. He had a, a major knee injury after the UL fight, and he also had some sort of like staff problem uh, where he, you know, Dana White actually said that he was, you know, could could be in like critical condition or, or he used some pretty like serious condition, like some some weird like uh, you know terminology to describe him. But then a couple months later, Robert Whitaker uh, had his fight announced. So seemed like he got his medical issues all cleared up. But I don't know. I think uh, Yoel has been fighting. He's been active. He's been, you know, uh, I wouldn't say replicating his mistake or I mean uh, fixing his mistakes because I mean he's forty years old and his career is pretty much done at this point. I don't think he's gonna be fixing anything that he hasn't already fixed already. But uh, I don't know. I'd like to think that uh, Yoel would be able to get this one, uh, get it done somehow. I'm going to be betting on Yoel's uh, round three just because, you know, that's Yoel's round. But uh, I think the, the most likely outcome would be for Robert Whitaker to uh, replicate uh, another decision uh, in this one. How about you? Uh, no, I'd love to go deeper into this. Uh, connectivity issues. Uh, so I'll just kind of uh, go into my what I'm planning on betting. Um, you know, it's hard. It's hard to ignore plus two hundred next to your Romero's name. You know, you don't want to pass that up. 
Um, however, um, you know, gun to my head, I think Robert is going to fight. Um, you know, everybody's, everybody knows what happened. Um, you know, he hurt his knee. So, you know, he'll probably look a little bit better coming in a year later while uh, a year of improvement while um, Romero, you know, coming off of a, you know, he's, he's what, 40 now, you know. Um, overall, I, I, just, I just think Robert Wood is going to win. Um, but I, I wouldn't blame you for betting on Yoel. At, uh, at that price, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I like I like to talk about it more, but man, this connectivity thing is a uh, maybe next time we'll uh, we'll go into a little bit deeper. But that's that's all I can say about that. Yeah, luckily I heard uh, I heard that last monologue uh, crystal clear, so everything was good there. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to make a case. I mean, when the guy lost the first fight, how are you going to make a legitimate case that, that they're going right. to come back and win this fight? No matter what you say, it's gonna it's gonna be pretty void because there's some pretty concrete evidence to say otherwise. Right. You know, so uh, you know I in a three we, round fight. I'm sorry to cut you off. In a three round fight, I would I would my money I would probably bet on you all. But if it, since this is a five round fight, man, Rob. I think that helps Robert so much. Like you know, we've we've seen Romero. I mean, despite having a bunch of third round TKOs, but we we've seen him physically tire. You know, he he's a great fighter and all, but five rounds. I, I think Robert is just too good. He's just too muscular and too explosive to fight five rounds. It's it's he's not too in smart. His, it's not in his DNA. Robert. It's something about like something. Somebody was saying something like, "Do you really think a forty year old athlete is just gonna all of a sudden improve his cardio from last July to this June?" Like it's he's been training, like I said, he's been probably wrestling thirty five some years. Uh, it's not like all of a sudden he's just gonna get better cardio and be able to go that last ten minutes way harder. And he's just, uh, it just doesn't seem like it's in his in his uh, capabilities at this point. So, you know, obviously that explosive knockout is is likely, uh, not likely, but you know, it can happen at any time. Uh, you know, in the third round, we might say it's likely just because Yoel has somehow knocked out five or six guys in the UFC in the third round. Just an incredible, incredible statistic. Uh, and yeah, you know, as someone, some money on that. as someone who's seen, uh, who, uh, might've, I don't, I don't, I think it was betting Luke Rockhold and Luke Rockhold decision in that fight. Uh, did not, you know, it, it just kicking yourself for not betting UL third round. It's just the most common, common outcome he has. Um, let me see. Uh, yes. Seven, seven third round finishes over honey marks, Derek Brunson, Tim Kennedy, Leona Machida. Chris Weidman and Luke Rockhold. Not to mention that they're all, you know, high, high caliber names. So uh, I'm cheering for Yoel in this one. I, I hope that he can somehow get it done and get that UFC belt under his career because he's just such a freak, ridiculous, incredible athlete and great personality. But, I mean, you know, so is Whitaker. Whitaker is an incredible fighter, great champion. Uh, I think this is going to be a good fight. And, uh, you know, looking forward to the card in general. I think it's uh, it might might sell some pretty good pay-per-view buys, you know, maybe three or 400000 and, uh, you know, we're just really looking forward to Saturday night. Hope everybody makes way. Really hope everything goes well with the Wayans, you know, because that's just a constant, constant problem in our sport. But, uh, you know, uh, hope all things go well on the scales and hope we get all the fights. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's the uh, last card um, of this uh, consecutive, uh, you know, yeah, uh, back to back to back card to back. we've had. Yeah. So, uh, after after this card, we'll we'll have like a four weeks with just one UFC card, which is a Singapore card. Uh, no, um, we got no. There's uh, uh oh yeah, Singapore. Oh yeah, that's yeah, right. I mean, one in four, four weeks. Four that's weeks, insane. Uh, it's it's one 
in four weeks. Yeah. Wow. This is the only MMA you'll be in here. Wow, I mean, does, I mean, uh, you, the only UFC you'll be in. It doesn't feel like I've been grinding these episodes out, but I guess you're right. Yeah, six weeks in a row. Uh, I guess we'll have a couple weeks off before the next one. Maybe I'll, I think I'll probably do like a filler episode where I just talk about UFC 225 instead of, you know, maybe waiting two weeks to talk about it. But uh, who knows? Um, so uh, moving on, just to t- talk about a couple stories uh, that we've heard throughout the week. Um, we got uh, the the Yair Rodriguez situation has apparently been flip flopped. Yair Rodriguez was apparently cut from the UFC for turning down a fight against Zabit Magomed Sharapov, but he is allegedly now reinstated in the UFC, and the fight with Zabit is now uh, back on for UFC two twenty eight uh, in September. So. Who the fuck knows what happened with this situation? You know, Dana White and uh, Yair really tweeting, subtweeting back and forth, back, back and forth one another. You know, really childish stuff and uh, really, you know, just worrisome stuff about the fact that uh, Yair was cut for this. And you know, Dana White literally did an interview where he was saying, you know, if I if I called you, you know, you better take the call, you better take the fight, like and like. Dana, uh, and I was kind of doing like a mob impression there because Brendan Schwab said something like, dude, this mob boss mentality that you have about yourself doesn't work. You're not going to strong arm fucking fighters into, you know, taking fights that they don't have to. Like that, like, it's it's kind of sad to see that this guy is so egotistical that he could fire a person over this. And then uh, it's kind of a, a good sign, I guess, the fact that it kind of, came back and bit him in the ass because uh Yair is back. So uh what do you think about all this? Um Yeah, it's kind of funny. I mean um uh, I don't really not much not much to comment about it. Um I, I like the matchup though. Uh I think Zabi's kinda of probably gonna kill him. That's probably why he didn't want to bite him. Uh as far as all that uh you know, Dana White stuff, yeah, you know. Dana's gonna be Dana. I'm not surprised. Yeah, nothing new there. I mean, dude, dude, literally came out like the other day and said the GSP is probably retired and probably not fighting anymore. When GSP is f- f- like already publicly voiced that he is, you know, not retired and interested in you know coming back for the right challenge. So, you know, Dana White's just you know so full of shit. The money thing. So yeah. I mean, yeah, so full of shit. All all the problems that we have. In currently in MMA, it's, it's all about money, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I or or just narrow, narrow-mindedness. You know, there's a lot of inactiveness and narrow-mindedness. You know, inactiveness in the scoring system being trash and the weight cuts being trash and, you know, the contracts being trash and independent contractors, you know, versus employees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's just a lot of, you know, inactiveness. Uh, and uh, what was the other word I used? I don't even remember. Inactiveness and, you know... I wouldn't say money is a lot of the problem. It's just, you know, you know, closed-mindedness, I think is what I use. They're just, you know, not willing to try new things. Uh, another, another. That's kind of segues into the next news. Uh, Dana White uh, also said that they're planning on bringing back the late, late day weigh-ins, saying that you know too many people are missing weight or something like that. This is, you know, it's not working to uh, to solve like the missing weight crisis. But what a lot of MMA fighters, you know, refs have said, it wasn't to stop people from to missing weight. 
it was to give people more time to rehydrate. So you have, you know, tw more than a little more than 24 hours, more like 30 hours to rehydrate before your fights, which makes sense. You know, you can look at the numbers and see that a lot of more people are missing weight than before. But, uh, you know, ultimately they're having that six hours extra to wait to rehydrate before their fights, which regardless if they're missing weight, uh, you know, they're, they're definitely stepping into the cage in a healthier state. So, People are going to cut a ridiculous amount of weight anyway. They're going to do it whether it's late or early. or So it, you might as well just have the safest option and give them the most time to most time to rehydrate. But you know, this just highlights the problems with the UFC where the management, Dana White, thinks he can make decisions for all the fighters when he has no idea like what their opinions are. And you know, a lot of the fighters like the early mornings weigh-ins, the coaches, the dietitians, you know, all the a lot of people are in favor of it with it. And they don't he doesn't even think about consulting with them before he just blurts out that they're getting rid of it, you know. So uh, it's just uh, like you said. Who the hell believes what Dana White has to say? Hopefully, they 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 backtrack on this and don't get rid of the early morning weigh-ins. Cause uh, I I don't know. I I think it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, um, my proposal is they start. I mean, this is just my opinion, but they should start uh, deducting points for anybody who misses weight. So going into the fight, they're they're minus one. That's, that's, I think that's good punishment, but uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. Not really much to, um, much discussion on my part. Um, yeah, I think I'm just moving gonna, uh, up a weight class, <laughs> moving up a weight class is pretty fair. If you miss your next fight, it has to be at the fight above it. No ifs, ands, or but uh, you know, no ifs, ands, or buts. Just you know, you miss weight, next fight's up. Um, so so um. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, Connor made some posts on you know on Instagram saying that he was supposed to fight in Brazil uh, at UFC two twenty four against RDA for the interim welterweight title, and you know Ariel is saying something like that was the plan, yeah, and they were gonna do you know GSP versus Nate, and then the winner of those two fights were gonna fight for you know some big huge super fight, some bullshit. Um, I don't know. I, I it's it's. What's what's the point of even mentioning it? Oh, you were gonna fight, uh, but before you, you know, caused a public, uh, you know, you know, you committed a bunch of crimes in public, and you know, canceled a bunch of UFC fights and ruined an event. Uh, yeah, it it, it doesn't really hold much value in my mind. Just like him saying that he was gonna fill in for Fr uh Frank Yeager, or he was gonna fill in for Max Holloway and fight Frank Yeager, but he just didn't have enough time or the ufc said no it's just he's just throwing shit out there to act like he's uh, active but he's not so i don't even understand what the point of you know bringing that up is same with this gsp nate versus nate diaz or they said khabib versus mcgregor gsp versus diaz and they were gonna you know it's it's all hypothetical like i don't even understand why you even bring it up if if it's it's you know it's just creating a bunch of like fake uh, clicks i think well that's pretty much what it is. I mean, old boy ain't, ain't five minutes, so I mean, he's just trying to keep his name relevant. I mean, that's pretty much exactly what you said. That's pretty much what it is. Um, I mean, they're not paying him, so that's kind of how I see it. But yeah, I mean, that's the reason why he's posting all this nonsense. He ain't five minutes, and he's trying to keep relevant. So yeah, and making uh, sure everybody still remembers him. Uh, we got uh, another news. Uh, Demetrius Johnson and Henry Cejudo. Uh, the rematch is probably going to go down. UFC 227 in Los Angeles on August 4th. 
pretty ironic the fact that TJ and DJ was so heavily discussed and fans wanted to see it so much and both both fighters kind of wanted it too but the UFC just didn't really want to pay out the the both fighters what they wanted and now we have them having two rematches that nobody wanted to see on the same exact card and they're not fighting each other so just goes to show that uh, you know how how bad the decision making at the top of the UFC is right now and how many opportunities they're missing out on um so, you know, not much else to say about that. You know, Suhudo versus DJ, who who cares about that? Just like who cares about Cody versus TJ too. They're they're just rematches that are too soon and there's no there's no hype built up to them, you know. You want to we should have gotten TJ versus DJ. That 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 should have happened. Yeah, UFC is going to UFC. They 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 are they are where they are because of, you know, the decisions they make. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. Yep, pretty rough. Not not too many not too many uh good stories coming out of coming out of this week. I think there was one more uh um added added fight that I was gonna mention, but I can't say oh yeah. So the last one, uh Justin Gagey versus Ally Quinta is rumored to uh, be headlining an event, uh uh I think in Nebraska, Lincoln, Nebraska, on August twenty fifth. But um who knows, you know, uh Ally Quinta tweeted uh, fake news, kind of, you know, he might be trolling, you know, everybody or just trolling Dana or something like that, but he, uh, he said that he hasn't talked to Dana since, you know, after the fight with Khabib, and he doesn't really know what's going on with the UFC right now, so... You know, that fight might happen. It's, uh, you know, it would definitely be a crazy, crazy banger of a fight, but way too soon for Justin Gage to come back, honestly. He just got knocked out. He just had two crazy, crazy fights where he was knocked out uh, within, like, six months, and he's going to go fight again in four months. That sounds like a recipe for a disaster. So I hope that fight is fake news. I really do. Yeah, I mean, uh, man, Justin Gage fights, like, a lot of people enjoy watching. Watching him fight, I understandably so. This guy's like a just blade dude, but man, I don't. Sometimes I don't really enjoy him fighting. Like this, this guy's doing so much damage to himself. I don't even. Sometimes I don't even like seeing that. Um, it's probably nah. gonna look like that again. Nah, um, you're too get, get, you're too sensitive. You gotta you gotta love the just. I mean, the just I mean, I enjoy his fight. Like this 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 guy's. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll sit down and watch that shit. You know, I and mean, I'll be entertained. However, like I think it's kind of stupid for for him to fight that way. But that's just my opinion. But yeah, I know what you mean. This fight it is. That's fight probably gonna look like that again. It's probably gonna be another fifty-fifty uh, fight. Yeah. Um, JG is Mister Fifty-Fifty. Either you kill him or I kill you. So, um, I can see it going either way. I can see him finishing um, uh, Al, and I can see Al finishing him. You know, typical JG fight. You know. So, I mean, yeah, it's entertaining. You know, definitely entertaining. I just, I, I just think it's, I think it's a very stupid approach to MMA. So that's just. That's just how I feel about it. Yeah, he's a crazy yeah. motherfucker, but some guys are like that, and you gotta. Yeah. Brain damage for peanuts, you know. That's that's how I see it. Yep, yeah, you gotta. I don't know. You gotta appreciate just the savagery behind it a little bit. Right. Yeah, this guy's a savage, man. I, I I'll always tune tune into his fights. So you know. For sure. I'm just saying on his behalf, you know, like well, I'm I'm just saying, you know, like this guy. <laughs> well, maybe maybe he might switch it up this time. Who knows? And finally, start using his wrestling or something. Yeah. You never know. 
All right. Well, I think that's gonna be all the stories for uh for this week in the the week the news uh world of mixed martial arts. We covered UFC Utica that went happened this past Friday, and we covered UFC two twenty five happening this Saturday. Uh, I want to thank my guest uh, Rebel Line for coming on. Like I said, a handicapper of the game for a decade, a veteran of this uh this here trade. So uh thanks thanks a lot for coming on, my man. Appreciated having you talking about the lines and everything. And, yeah, uh, man, appreciate you having me. Uh, um, you know, uh, if I got some time, you know, uh, I'll be open to doing this again. Yep, the door is always open. I definitely lo- love having uh, guests back on. So uh, that's gonna do it for the episode twenty-one. And uh, thank you everybody for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the the card this weekend. Hope it's a great card. And ladies and gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being tuning into the podcast, I thank you for tuning in to episode 21 of Martian MMA. And I'll see you guys uh, before UFC Singapore. Peace. Peace.